I'm starting to hear people asking this question. Why should I stay home if I'm not at risk? Today, our guest on the podcast is Peggy Cow Enderly. Now, Peggy, normally you're one of the hosts on this podcast or on the Art of Ven podcast, but I'm so glad that you could join us uh, to share a story today. Good morning, Steve. So earlier we were talking about this and you shared a story from years ago before your son was born. Could you tell us a little bit about what that situation was like? As the weeks have worn on with our shelter in place, There was a feeling for me of it doesn't feel as hard in some ways as it feels for others. And I was reflecting on it. And then I realized I've done this before. So when I was 23 and a half weeks pregnant, I was started going to early labor. And so I was put on bed rest for the last three months of my pregnancy. And six weeks of those were in the hospital and six weeks of those were at home. And what did you do while you were on bed rest? You're just in bed, resting? Puzzles. I I had a big foam board and I did these puzzles on them. Brian would visit me and we would watch the entire Lord of the Rings movies, extended versions. Thank God we had internet. Otherwise, I don't know what I would have done if there was nothing. So those weeks just dragged on and on and on. I mean, I love the Lord of the Rings thing. I'm I'm a a nerd. Did it get old at all? You know, there were some perks to being in the hospital for a really long time. They kept upgrading your privileges. And so towards the end of my hospital stay, I had the hospital secret menu. So instead of choosing between, you know, these two meals every day, I just had a menu that I could check off. And so I can order whatever I wanted every day. And some days it was double desserts. So you adapted to being stuck at home. You adapted to being stuck in the hospital. Yeah. You you learned how to make life work there. Yeah, I had no choice. I had no choice. And what was at risk was um, delivering Isaac way before he was supposed to come. One of the things that really struck me about this story is that being on bed rest, it was for you But more than that, it was for this other person who you hadn't really met yet. You had you had a name picked out for him and and you maybe felt him move and kick. But at twenty three weeks, that's still pretty early. It is. And a first pregnancy had resulted in miscarriage. So I think for anyone who's experienced that, it does kind of cast a cloud over uh, a subsequent pregnancy because you're just nervous. So with this pregnancy, having carried it further, but then it being at risk was pretty scary. And so in some ways, with that on the line, it was a no-brainer to follow the rules of bed rest. And in so doing, you were serving this little human who actually now is is not a little human anymore. I mean, he's still human, I assume, <laughs> but but he's he's a bigger and bigger and bigger human. Yes, yes, he's uh, ten now, and he is in the ninety fifth percentile for height. And do you ever remind him there was a time where I was on bed rest <laughs> in order to to keep you safe? 
we've told him the story a few times, uh, along with why we named him Isaac, because it means laughter. I know a lot of people are saying, stay shelter in place because it's going to save lives. And then there's some who are saying, well, the economy is in ruins and that's really deeply impacting people. And for me, there really is no perfect solution. Part of my story of being on bed rest was my mom actually passed away when I was on bed rest. She died two weeks before Isaac was born. And Isaac was still born prematurely, but just six weeks early as opposed to three months early. And so he was in the NICU when we had the funeral for my mom. And there was no perfect solution, right? Do I leave Isaac in the NICU or do I go be with my mom at her funeral? And so I had to make that choice. And for me, it was really asking, thinking to myself, my mom would want me to be with the living. Right? She would want me to stay with Isaac. So I chose to not go to her funeral, actually, and to continue to be with Isaac in the NICU. That's still, like, to this day, I was like, I was not at my mom's own funeral. Um, and that's hard. Yeah. So you've had to make hard decisions, some that felt clearer than others. How have you changed as you've made those hard decisions? I went through a season where I it took a while for me to feel like I could hope in life again. Um, the passage that really challenged me for a while and I wrestled with is um, this: the confidence that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because uh, I'd seen so much difficulty. So I think there's a... I guess you could say, maybe you could call it a a tempered hopefulness. And there's really a way in which at those points, and even now, uh, what I say to myself, and not in resignation, but just acceptance of, it is what it is. This is where we're at. We're making choices that hopefully will pay out and nobody can guarantee it but we're trying to make the best choices for the people around us, make choices that take our community in mind. Um, and who knows if we're making the right choice. I think that's a lot of what I'm struggling with now is having to make choices, not knowing that I'm making the right choice. And maybe that's an illusion that we think we can make the perfect choice or the right choice and know exactly the outcomes. There are things you do put faith in. Like I sat down in my chair with the belief that it wasn't going to break when I sat down. But even that's not a complete certainty. We just make the decisions knowing we have limited information and have some grace on ourselves if we don't make the best decision. That's a good word grace for ourselves if it turns out we didn't make the best decision. So Peggy, you were on bed rest for quite some time. How were you able to maintain your perspective? So it was all of a sudden my world got very small. I was confined to a room. And then these things I normally take for granted were now considered privileges. 
some of my privileges were I could leave the bed and go to the bathroom by myself and I could take a shower. I was able to go on a 15-minute wheelchair ride outside the hospital every day. And I think one time uh, the doctors rotated and a new doctor came and they took away that privilege. They took away my wheelchair privileges because they weren't quite sure if I was okay to sit up for that long. And I remember being so bummed out. Like my wheelchair privileges were taken away. But in so many ways, it's all relative. I had a roommate for a little bit and she had to use a bedpan and she couldn't get up to use the bathroom. So we're all dealt with our own circumstances and there's ways that we can accept the circumstances we're dealt at that moment. Um, and recognizing things that we take for granted can become privileges. How are you putting that perspective into practice today while quarantining, while kind of social distancing? We have not had to stock up on anything. There are minor inconveniences, right? The pasta sauce we always get is out. But hey, look, I can buy a box of marinara and add my own spices. And that's a choice that you make. Instead of focusing on, I can't get the sauce that I like, you focus on, look at what I still have. Look at what the Lord is still providing. Yeah, there's there's a lot other worries and concerns I know other people are dealing with right now that I just know it's a huge privilege that it's not my concern. Well, hey. If you're listening to this, I want to encourage you. There may be some things that you went through earlier in your life that actually equip you and prepare you to be healthy and to be compassionate and loving in the midst of this disruption. I wonder if you could take a little time today and explore what those things are, like Peggy's bed rest story. Maybe you have a story like that and you can see, oh, wow. The Lord is preparing me to have perspective. Peggy, thanks so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Steve. 